Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. Hi, I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanderers of Melisanda for the Accidental Aliens. And I'm Keith. I write the comic Kadoja, in addition to reviewing horror books and horror comics on my blog. Yeah, you are, buddy. Yeah, yeah you are. I am. I am. You and, do those And things. no one will ever have to know that I edited out my bad take because I stumbled all over myself. I'm making comics. <laughs> We're a bunch of idiots. We can't even say our intros right. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's up, man? So what did you get up to this week? This is so a, a couple small things that I'm going to try to tie together here. So, so the first thing, so much of the work of a writer is either up front or back end. We, I write it and then it goes over the fence to artists and then I wait for it to come back and then it's done. And then maybe I make some tweaks or something like that. You know, in, in the in the case I have right now, in Rory's case, he would letter and he would do all the art. So it would go over the fence and then come back finished. In this mm. case, I have one person doing inks, one person uh, pencils, one person doing inks, and then another person doing lettering. So what that means is I get the inked pages back and, and you know, they base that on the, the visual script, right? And I have dialogue in it. I, I then get a second attempt to make the dialogue what I like it before I kind of distribute it over to the letterer, right? right. So um, as a result, you kind of have these. So that's what this is. I have a, a bunch of projects in sort of various stages. So I wrote down all the things that are kind of going on in my, in what I'm thinking are my three main comic projects, right? I have pages out to lettering it for Kadoja volume three, number two. I am uh, starting to get the sketches that are going to lead to Kadoja volume three, number four. So number four is in the art stage. Number two is in the lettering stage. Move over to three protectors. For that one, I think it's done, but I'm waiting for 215 Inc. editorial to get back to me and confirm it's done. Once it's done, I can start doing some more stuff. I have made some contact or and plan to make some more contact on a person that I hope is going to deliver the cover for what will be volume one. So when you say done, what do you mean? Do you mean like the script's done and, and like the overall story arc or is the first issue drawn? Like like where, the, what does the that comic, mean exactly? The comic is complete complete like it is drawn it is lettered i did the lettering on this one so it is and and this is the one you know refreshing a podcast from a few weeks back this is the one that's had a very long journey to completion so mm-hmm. i happen to think that volume one is complete i'm not sure if it's going to go to a volume two or a volume three you know i, I know it's going to go to a volume two the question okay. is if it's going to go to a volume three or not it depends on what i want to do with the story i think it's it's on the order of 50 some color pages right so it's not your typical issue it's definitely like a larger kind of mega comic and um and again i think it's done it's just a matter of 215 ink blessing that and then i can start proceeding but in the meantime i'm in contact with an artist that i hope is is going to be the cover artist but it's a kind of thing where like i want it to be good i want it to be the cover but if it comes back and it's not perfect then it may not be the cover you know what I mean? Like okay. it, it'll be a good piece of art I can use for something, but I, I feel like, you know, I want people to earn the cover and I want people to give me their best work. And ideally the, that work will make the cover, but sometimes it doesn't. Usually when I get pieces like that, those end up being either a pinup in the back or a back cover. Yeah. So it's always good because you have something, you know, in your back pocket. It's like, okay, Hey, I need, um, like I'll have a couple of pieces that I'll, I'll commission out. 
and then I'll kind of have them in my back pocket if I don't have an intended space for it yet. And then so you have those those times where you're like, oh shit, it's 28 pages, but I have 27 pages. What can I do? Boom, you throw you throw the the pinup piece in there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. To be a independent comic writer we've we've i've danced around this before and this is probably just another way of putting it and i'm sure i'll put it six other ways over the course of the next year but to write a comic is to truly be like a patron of the arts this is this is my money i'm spending to hire artists right Mm -hmm. because i believe in my story there are other ways to spend money you know what i mean but but this is one of those cases where what you want to do is you know we do this because we love it we do it because we love art we do it because we get moved by art and it's it's actually kind of cool to see some artist you like and be like, man, I would really like to have that person do something for for one of my projects. And then you get that project and, you, and you're like, hey, this is a piece of art that was done for like my project. You know, and, and it's our project, obviously. It's not just one person, but that that's the part that's always exciting, you know, to get this stuff back and be like, wow, you know, you're you're kind of part of the indie comic machine because you're saving up your money and you're doing what you can to to support it and get your own idea out there and, and see what happens, right? So I am very, very excited to work with the person who I think will give me this uh, Three Protectors cover, um, but we'll see what happens there. So that's the various stage on that. And then I have this third project. Let me, hold on. Look, so, okay. I want you to move on too quickly there. So what, when you commission these artists, because I'm, I'm with you 100%. Um, as as the artist of my book, but it, at, at the same time, it's like I, I created the book. You know, it's a collaborative effort between me and uh, uh, my writer Ed. So it's it is it is our project. But man, I, do I love commissioning out pieces from artists? And so I love seeing that whole process. Like I'll get updates. I'll ask them for um, possible layouts first before they move forward. Mm-hmm. And so most of the time, they're very good about it, and they'll just send me send me a couple of layouts and. You know, I pick the one I like the best and then they go forward. Um, Do you, when you commission them, do you also inquire about owning the piece? Like you physically have have it. I have pieces that I've commissioned artists where they're hanging on my wall in my house. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I I get the feeling that most of my stuff is digital. You know what I mean? So there, there is no physical ownership. That's the weird part. I mean, you know, like... And maybe I'm I'm skewed by Rory because Rory did his pencils on a physical page and everything else was done digitally. And oh, okay. so I think in a lot of cases, the work is so done digitally that there's no physical component to it because if there was, God knows I would want it. So no, that's, that's a good point. I'm assuming that when, for me, ownership is you're doing this piece of work because I'm hiring you, therefore I get to use it however I want. But in terms of physical stuff, I, I generally don't ask on that, although, you know, it's possible for me to do that. I guess. But I, yeah, I've just been laboring under the assumption that so much of it is digital anyway, that there is actually no physical component to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll follow a lot of artists and I'll see if they work traditionally. And it's just like, all right, well, if you work analog, I want to own that piece. How much does it cost to own that piece as well? Sure. Uh, the, the couple of artists that I've commissioned recently, they're overseas. Um, one was a French artist. Another one was a Russian artist. Uh, yeah, I, I bought all of those pieces and they were pennies on the dollar to own the piece. It was kind of crazy. Mm. So there was, uh, there's a short story coming in another accidental alien titles next year. It's called astounding adventures. And it's kind of like our dark horse presents or m- more of like action comics or detective comics back in the day. Um, where it's just 
a bunch of short stories with random characters in it. Mm-hmm. So Astounding Adventures is going to be the accidental alien superhero line. So basically, if you have a short story with a superhero that you want to do, and you're in the studio, you can you can do a short story in there. And so next year, uh, we're releasing the first issue, and I had one of the artists. Uh, his Facebook artist name is Willem Smith. Um, I can't pronounce his Russian name. So, but but he's pretty amazing, and he has a very Jeff Darrow, um, Frank Quietly vibe mm. to his work. Okay. And and I was like, man, that that stuff's rad. Like, it's so different than what I do. I would love to see what his interpretation of my characters look like. And uh, so I inquired about uh, cover work, and it was very affordable. Then I asked him about interior work, and it was even more affordable. So um, I was like, this guy is so cheap that I'm going to find something for him. So uh, me and Ed came up with a short story and um, just hired him. And uh, I inquired about the interiors, and they were just like $10 more or $15 more to own it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I'll pay you $15 for that page. So I had him send me everything. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. I'll have to look into that because um, getting, getting down and dirty into it, I am a sucker for pencils. I have an artist edition, I think, by Kirby. It's uh, it's the New Gods one. Um, okay. And I think I have a couple other things of Kirby where they go heavy on the pencils. I think there's one called Kirby Pencils or something like that. And I just think pencils are the shit. Inks are cool. Inks are cool. But pencils, man, I love that stuff in its raw format. And there's just something that makes me geek out about like a, a stunning pencil drawing. So, you know, to your point, even if people out there kind of do the Rory Smith method of you know, pencils, um, you know, in, in a physical form and then go to digital. I, I could still show some interest in those pencils because I'm thinking oh, yeah, the sure. artist on issue four is, uh, is going to do a lot of the pencils and then I'm going to turn that over for inking. So maybe it's worth me considering, um, what the, you know, what's going on with those pencils, if they're physical or not. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, depending on the artist, if they're looking to make a couple of bucks more, they're not going to gouge you on it. Um, if, especially if they don't think they could sell it on their own, yeah. Then, you know, they'll they'll probably give it to you at a reasonable rate. So the two guys that I hired, um the, the Willem Smith guy, he actually does inks over his stuff and it looks pretty good. Like his pencil work, it's like nuts. It's um there's just so much going on, it's hard to see what's going on uh at all. And then he cleans it up and you're just like, "Oh man, this is this is so crazy." Uh but another guy that I hired, he he was the artist from France. Let me find his name as I'm talking to you. He he does tremendous work, and he he does pencils or inks. Like he doesn't have to do both. Mm-hmm. It's Shahine Lajuiz. I probably murdered that. Um, not sounds good dead way. on to me. Yeah, I think I got it. Um, but he has a very Joe Matarera style, and so he charges like, oh well, pencils are this much and inks are this much, mm-hmm. but his pencils are so tight that I didn't even need to to get him to do inks on it. I'm just like, we're good. We're good right here. Yeah. And yeah. had my colorist go right over the top of it. And that's kind of how Joe Mad does his stuff anyway. He doesn't even ink it. He just darkens the pencil lines and then, and then goes to town. Um, nice. Color to nice. town on it. So, yeah, definitely worth some looking, looking nice, nice. Uh, into. Yeah, I'll think about that. I'll think about that. And then actually before I get back to what I did last week, it does bring up that um, I think we, we now have enough episodes behind us where it's pretty cool because I'm doing stuff now as a result of our conversations on making comics. You know what I mean? It's like this thing happens and then I think about it 
and then I end up doing something else. I think you had made a comment to me about that too, where we're starting to get this really neat feedback loop where talking about what we're doing is actually influencing the next thing we're doing, which is which is mm-hmm. pretty great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's really uh, pushing the process forward and it's keeping me hungry. It's keeping me uh, learning new new things. And uh, yeah, I love it, man. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Word up, word up. Um, so to finish up, um, actually two other things real real quick. So the first thing is that there's the third project I'm working on, which is this horror comic um, called Animals. And in that case, I'm in the I'm in kind of the middle of a midstream artist shift. And so I'm waiting for test pages on that. And once I get a couple test pages on that, I'll feel good. And then that'll allow me to kind of continue going forward. And I'm sure I'll spend some podcasts in the future talking about it as I collaborate with a different artist and look to finish that that story arc, which is intended to kind of be a, a one-shot, one-story kind of small graphic novel idea. Um, so, that, but, but I think that's, that's an interesting thing to think about in terms of like being a writer. You can keep all these projects going as long as you're getting the work in in terms of writing, but it also creates a whole lot of hurry up and wait situations, you know, where it's just, I'm just waiting on people and that's pretty normal. And it, it makes you the CEO of a very, very, very small comic company. You know, where you're you're waiting on the, the art to get done so you can turn that around and turn it into something else. So, again, I, I think that's very like hashtag writer life, where, again, in terms of you being the artist, you know, you're the one doing the, the bulk of the time work. The, uh, a question I get all the time at conventions is, how long does it take you to do an issue? That is a very tough question for me, because so much of the work into doing an issue is the formative phase of thinking about the issue. All things being told, writing an issue of a comic may only take a couple days, but it's months of thought formulation to get to that point where you can just knock it out in a couple days if you had the dedicated time. Uh, uh, so animals, how many how many pages were you thinking since it's just going to be a one and done? I think it's going to be between, who? let me think about this. Do, 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 do. It's going to be between 60 and 80 but I'm not sure oh, okay. where it's, it's going to end up. So yeah, again, small graphic novel kind of thing. Yeah, it's about a uh, three issues, three issues ish. Yeah, exactly. If, if if you're thinking in like a conventional comic way, then yes, it would be issues. The story is being told in chapters of anywhere from kind of five to eight pages. So okay. the intent is for it to be roughly ten chapters, which would put it again loosely fifty to eighty. But I happen to know the first couple chapters are all like eight pages, which is which was the original intent. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, hopping back to yeah. Three Protectors, yes. you had said you know it's for sure going to go to two volumes, but you weren't sure about a third. Mm-hmm. So something in my brain said, it's weird that Three Protectors is only two volumes. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But is, it, is like, it also weird that like, like when the fuck did trilogies just become everything? <laughs> It's it's just like I mean Star Wars is did it start with Star Wars? Did it start with Lord of the Rings? I don't even know. Maybe it started with Lord of the Rings. You know, it's just like every goddamn thing has to be a trilogy and I think these days you see people going away from trilogies and so I think part of that man is just me not feeling like I need to lock myself into a trilogy, but sadly enough it probably does make sense as a trilogy. I think it started with Star Wars personally. Like but wasn't wrong? Lord of like the Rings that- first? The books? Yeah. Uh, shit, I don't know. Yeah, Lord of the yeah, Rings maybe. is like yeah. the fucking, I don't know, 
Seventeen tens or something. I don't even fucking know. It's like the sixties. I think it came out. I think it came out right after Jesus. <laughs> it was. It was. A, it was a cutting room floor um, edition after Revelation. Wasn't that the guy you shall not pass? That was Jesus, right? <laughs> I I was always under the assumption that Lord of the Rings was like a live action Bible. I don't know. Call no, me crazy. You. Yeah. <laughs> that's great that's great so okay you might be right though yeah you might be right it's i don't know but but the point is that like you you kind of have this this trilogy thing and and again to your to your point three protectors does make sense as a trilogy but uh but we'll see where it goes you know it, it's i think it's more a statement on me just being flexible in terms of what it does going forward and uh and we'll see what happens we'll see what happens okay it, I would, yeah, I would say the story takes however long it takes, right? Like, yeah, it's not, exactly. It's not necessarily that it needs to be a trilogy because trilogies are cool, but I just think two volumes, three protect, like that's what gets me. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, it makes sense. If three, if if three protectors was one volume, I wouldn't even bat an eye. It's just like, yeah. oh yeah, it's just a one one shot, and all contained in in this story arc, and and that's what it is. But yeah, two's two's a little weird. Yeah, I hear you. No, it makes sense. The other thing I wanted to talk about, I'll set this up a little bit because in in a weird way, I think what I was saying a few minutes ago applies in that stuff we do on the podcast kind of influences how we think. So something I've been struggling with a lot is that I am not a single-minded person. Here's a list. I I just happen to scribble down a list of all the things that I have a, a hand in. So for writing... Kadoja, a comic. Three Protectors, comic. Animals, comic. Novel, in progress. Then I have podcasts, making comics, which we are talking about right now. The universe might implode on itself as I talk about what I did last week, and it's this podcast, right? <laughs> the 215 Inc. podcast. Then in terms of website, there's probingthedepths.com. In terms of bands, I am sort of in a band called Big Pimp Jones. We're kind of like always around, but always retired because we've been doing stuff forever, (laughs) you know? Um, And then I have an upcoming metal project. You know, when you have that many things, they all have a name and they all have an identity. And, you know, you could go down the rabbit hole of them all having an Instagram and all having a Facebook and all having Mm -hmm. this and all having a that. I choose not to do that for some of them because it's just too ambitious. You know, that that's a lot of stuff. And and I like doing a lot of stuff. You know, it's it's one of these old uh, IT lines, right? It's not a bug. It's a feature. It's not it's not a bug (laughs) that I like having a lot of things on my plate. It's just who I am. And so I was having kind of an, a, a think out loud version of this idea with Mike and, and Mike just, Perkins. you know, yeah, with Mike Perkins. Exactly. And, um, had and, you ever watch uh, parks and recs? No. Okay. So, uh, Rob Lowe's character, uh, there's there, he's in there he, and, uh, there's another character, uh, Rashida Jones mm-hmm. and her character's name is Ann Perkins. Okay. And every time he sees her, he goes, Ann Perkins. Oh. And, Perkins. and so every time you say Mike Perkins, I want to go Mike Perkins. <laughs> so if nice. you say his name and you just randomly hear me say it, just just ignore it. And just That's fine. Going. That's fine. I, All I, right. I sure as hell won't edit it out. Why would I ever do that? <laughs> All right. Carry but, on. Uh, but yeah, so I was thinking about it and it's kind of like, you know what, man, the, the there's a common unifier here and it's me. And something I've been very conscious of before is going is kind of like putting up a shield behind the project, but not the person. The more projects you do and the more things you do, you kind of want to be like, well, wait a minute. These are all me, and I feel like there needs to be a gathering thing around me. 
And then you add the fact that, you know, my goal is to get a novel published and get an agent and all that good stuff. And uh, it's very normal for people who write to have pages that are their name. So that is going to change the way that this episode ends. I bought the domain keitharfoster.com. Now when it comes to all this stuff, it's going to all eventually just be an umbrella thing under keitharfoster.com. Yeah, that, I, I do the same I do the same thing. Um, I don't have a second shift or wanderers Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all under my name. You know, if you search Scott Lost, you're going to if you want a book by me or to listen to a podcast by me or my YouTube channel or something, you just search for my name. So um, uh, I agree. I agree with your process and what you're thinking. And and like you said, it becomes it kind of becomes overwhelming too if you have a social media account for every little sing- single thing you do. It just consumes more time than it really should. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And part of this is like a little bit of a mental block on my own. It's weird because I'm I, I tend to enjoy the spotlight in terms of like yes, I created this comic. Yes, you co-created this comic. Yes, I'm part of this band. Yes, whatever. But when it comes around to like, well, that's Keith Foster and that's me. That's I don't know, man. I get I get reluctant. And um, so this has been a it's like been a small digital step, but a big mental step in terms of just getting out there and being like, no, this is me, and this website is going to have things I do and things that I'm reviewing and blah blah blah, and and go from there. It's still weird to think about for me. Again, I I don't know why, but um, but you know, here we go. It was something that J. Scott Campbell had always said and brought up, like his branding, like. Or other artists had talked about J. Scott Campbell. It's like J. Scott Campbell is a brand. Like mm-hmm. if you're you go to jscottcampbell.com, you're buying something from him and, and you find every cover that he's ever worked on, what's coming up, you know. So if you're interested in him, then you're gonna find everything that he does. So um, as opposed to like let's just say all of your social media is Kadoja, that's all everyone will ever know you for is Kadoja, or exactly. that's all they'll ever find out on that page. Exactly. So but if you know, on your business card that you hand out when you sell out a book, it's it's a uh, keithfoster.com, you know, Keith R R R Foster. Yeah. <laughs> if it's that, then they'll see, oh hey, all right, well I came here for Kadoja, but this guy does a podcast. I wonder what that is. And yeah. And you know, and it just uh steamrolls from there. Exactly. Being being like I'm this project, I'm that mop, that project makes sense if you only have one project. When the second mm-hmm. project comes along, when the third project comes along, all of a sudden it makes less and less sense. And that's, you know, based on what I read before, it's like you've reached this critical mass of I just have these projects and it makes more sense for it to be me and then the project instead of the project and then me. So that was that was a super long consumption of time there, man. I uh, <laughs> so now but now it's your turn, man. No, that was all that was all super that was all super intriguing. And and, you know, I jumped in there. So it wasn't all just you. So sure. Uh, sure. But how yeah, about you, man? Yeah, like what, what was your week like? So I had every intentions of talking about other stuff this week as opposed to the things I've been working on recently mm-hmm. um, or the most immediate stuff, which was lettering second shift number 11. Uh, but but I think I'm going to keep going with that because it's just so fresh in my mind. And I've learned more tricks lettering since the last episode that I want to keep rolling with that. So that's taken a large majority of my time. And um, I got commissions coming up. And so um, I'm like, okay, I need to finish at least the first draft of this issue and send it over to Ed before I can start the the commissions. So uh, I've been looking up stuff on YouTube, finding out new tricks, how to do like 
you know, a sound effect behind the characters. It's like, how do you do that? And, you know, you could find that on YouTube. So I just been finding all of these other methods that I didn't know before and just learning and learning, implementing it. The first draft of the Second Shift 11 is now done, but uh, some of the art isn't the finished art. It's just like the digital uh, black and white. So I have the letters on that because you can easily swap out the image. So that's that's not what matters. It's just like kind of getting all the placement down. Mm -hmm. And then once the final work comes in, I could... I could plop it in. So, but my colorist said he's going to finish all the pages this week. So I'm thinking of just holding on to it and uh, waiting till he gets me all those pages back, uh, popping them all in, sending it to uh, one of my buddies from the Accidental Aliens, uh, Tristan Whitehouse. He's like, this dude's like a Swiss Army knife. He's a penciler, inker, colorist, letterer. Like he does it all. Like Shoot, his day job. point guard, power forward, all of it. Oh yeah, Swiss Army Knife, man. He plays all five positions. Uh, he was my letterer for the last three issues of the second shift, the last two two or three issues. Um, but since this issue was so easy, I did that part myself. And I'd gone to him for a couple of things. I was having some issues like, hey man, how do I fix this? So uh, he was able to help me out, but he's also going to put the PDFs together for me. Um, I can do it. I've, I used to do it in the past, but I knew it would take me a lot longer and he's just so fast at it. He's just, it's like his day job. So he's just so quick that I'm like, hey man, can can I pay you X amount and you just make me some PDFs? And, and he goes, yep, I'll do it. And so um, I've already enlisted him. And so once I get those, those uh, colored pages in, I'm going to send him his way. He's gonna shoot me the PDFs and uh, I'll send them over to Ed. Ed will do uh, his magic. So he's kind of gonna kind of work like a, a script doctor, I guess, for this for this issue. Um, he's going to look it over and, you know, see if there's any issues at all, if uh, it just doesn't make sense or it needs a complete rewrite or if it's good to go. Lastly, I'm waiting for my goddaughter to finish flatting the pages. So she has one more page to go. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, this is becoming like a Lord of the Rings throw the shit in Mount Doom kind of quest, right? I feel like we've been talking about this for the entirety of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a journey, Flatting man. is almost done, Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we're at the end of the first uh, movie, and uh, there's going to be more walking for the next two movies. <laughs> <laughs> and something's going to finally happen in the third. And they're, Jesus is going to meet the devil, and they're going to battle it out. She's got one more page to go, and then I'm going to get that from her, send it to my colorist, and, and that'll probably be the last page that's, that gets colored, because that's the last one we're waiting on. It's been an interesting process. Um, what I've discovered is 16 is too early to get this kid started working. <laughs> yeah, just, I, I was I was going to trot out one of my favorite phrases, which is interesting is an interesting word. It's like I'm, I'm harassing her for these these damn pages, man. And and no matter how many times I, I tell her, it's like, hey, I need those pages by today. You know, she just stops responding to me. When we first put the accidental aliens together, we were like, OK, we're going to let's do these anthology, this anthology series. And, and everyone's like, okay, yeah, yeah. How many pages and this and that. And, uh, you know, for the first anthology, everyone was pretty good and, uh, would communicate for the most part. But then there were a couple of artists that just weren't good at communicating because they were coming up short. Mm -hmm. So they would kind of disappear. And so I'm playing the role of the editor and I'm like tracking them down. Hey man, Hey, I haven't heard from you. What's going on with these pages? And, and, uh, you know, that, and then the second anthology happened and more of the same, like I could see how editor's jobs would be very difficult. And, uh, so I'm getting flashbacks to those days and I just, I just don't miss those days at all. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, she's almost done and, 
and we're gonna get this thing in the can and then I can uh, move forward with with the other pending things on my list so I hear overall you. overall it's kind of a short week for me like I don't have a ton of stuff it's just the stuff that I did was extremely uh, time consuming yeah and, th- and that also you you're also proving an interesting point in a weird way right which is the kind of stuff that I started off the episode with or at least started off my portion of it where it was like, well, I'm waiting on this, I'm waiting on that, I'm waiting on that. Not that different from what you're going through. If you want to do everything yourself, then that's fine. I think something you see a lot at all levels is, you know, the decision people make on whether they want to do it themselves or whether they want to outsource it, right? And if you outsource it, then there's going to be a bunch of different levels of outsourcing, right? If you you outsource something and pay someone for it, you get to kind of tap your foot and be like, hey, 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 where's my work, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're collaborating, then it becomes a little bit more like, "Um, excuse me, can you kindly inform me where the work is? Yeah, the, yeah. the dynamic is different, right? And and that's that makes total sense. Getting the the color flatting and or putting together an anthology with people that are your friends, you know, like mm-hmm. look, I want to put out this analogy, uh, this anthology. I want to meet this deadline. So where are the pages, right? And you don't want to be a hard ass. So she got most of the pages done. She just didn't finish one. Yeah, and it's just been a couple of days since that deadline. But uh, I've had artist full-on ghost me like yeah just and, not and, talk and to look, me not answer their call and totally and yeah and it's, I, it's i've so had that as well but but i think it's an important thing to note too that we make mistakes too <laughs> you know what i mean like like when we get on the podcast you know we we talk about like well i asked this person this thing and i asked this person that thing look i've missed deadlines myself or i've at least missed my own mm-hmm. internal deadlines or people have sent me notes and then you know two weeks later i get like a keith you have an answer, you know, like that kind of stuff. So, I mean, right. I get it for, for many, many people, especially in the indie comic scene, this ain't the way we get paid. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there are other priorities out there and I totally get it. It's all part of the push and pull, I think of, of indie comics and making projects that, that have, sometimes you share that passion. Sometimes there's, there's a little bit of a discrepancy perhaps. And it's, it's, it's figuring out a way to get that work despite that discrepancy sometimes. Yeah. I understand like listening to interview or, or like interviews that people have on podcasts or, or whatever websites and hearing about the frustration with working with certain artists. It's like, Oh, that person's really difficult to work with. And I, I kind of never really fully grasped that people are just so different from each other. Like the way that certain artists like deal with certain problems is something I would never do. I would never just stop communicating with someone. It's like, I know for me personally, it's like, the more information I have, the more at ease I am. You know, yeah. if you tell me, hey, look, I got three pages done out of five. I'm going to need another three weeks to finish these pages. At least I know what's happening. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, okay, okay. So I'm I'm still in a panic because they need three more weeks. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's like, at least I know what the hell is going on. So there's some ease there. Yeah. And um not everyone thinks about that. Like they don't think about how it's affecting other people when they just start ghosting them. When I first moved out for here from the East Coast. So I will say that you have a very, you have a mentality that would fit in very well on the East Coast, right? Which is if I have an issue, I will tell you. Mm. When I moved out here from the East Coast in late 2009, it took me years to get over what I'm going to kind of call like the West Coast mentality, right? Which is yes, you to death and don't do it. <laughs> 
I'm overgeneralizing here, right? Because plenty of people yes you to death and do it. But let's just say on the West Coast, there is a much higher percentage of people who will yes you and not do it than in places like the East Coast, where like if they can't do it, they are going to tell you up front. That took an adjustment. It took me years, right? Because it'd be the kind of thing where I remember we we organized a gig when we were out here and like, you know, I live out here and the other two members of Big Pimp Jones do not. So we we paid for airfare. We did all this stuff. We thought we had a couple gigs and, and we did. And, mm-hmm. you know, based on the people that have pro- had promised they were going to show up, it was like a huge number. And then, and then the night of the show came and maybe one tenth of them showed up. And it was just like, oh. I don't get it. They were so authentic. You you hone your internal detector a little bit and you kind of know, you, you feel like you have a vibe on which people are going to actually show up and which people aren't. But man, moving out here to the West Coast for a couple years, my calibration was so off because people were so authentic and then they wouldn't show up. And they and to your point, they would just ghost. I would never hear from them until like four weeks later. And then they'd act like the show never happened. It was like, wait, what? You know, so I, I hate that type of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't do. know. I got it bothers me. It's like, it, I, I, number one, I'm just, I'm shit at lying, lying. I'm not good at it. So I just don't do it. And yeah. I find that it, it's just easier. It's just easier to tell the truth. You don't have to remember any of the falsehoods you told people and, and, um, yeah, they're not me. waiting for you. You're not yeah. disappointing them when you don't show up to their show or, or whatever the case is. Exactly. So I get it. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. It's exactly. no good. Exactly. Everyone again, listening that's... out there, stop doing that. If you're doing that, don't do it. <laughs> If you're doing that, don't do it. Just just tell people, yeah, just just give people the upfront stuff. Yeah. And if you if you aren't doing it, good job. Good job, you. Yeah, you're a exactly. good person. A- applause, Not saying that you're a bad person if you do it, but you are. <laughs> 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 yeah, so yeah, that's so I would say that's it for me. Um okay. it was just, you know, finishing up those things and um getting ready to go on to the next projects and and do all that stuff. So um I have been reading more. So in be- while I'm waiting for everyone to give me the work that I'm waiting for, I've been reading more books. Um, so that's been cool. Okay, I'll save all of that. I have I have many things that I've been reading recently. And um, yeah, I, I had a buddy who was like, we both recently purchased spinner racks from mm-hmm. our local comic shop. And we got good deals on them. I paid 40 for mine. He paid 30 because they couldn't remember how much they charged me. Yeah. And, and uh, so he got an even better deal. So, but, uh, you know, good on him. And so his thing was like, yeah, I filled up my spinner racks full of, uh, books that I haven't read yet. And I was like, oh, he goes, yeah. So like, you know, if I need to go to the can or something, or I just need something to read, I just spin the spinner rack and see what's there and whatever's grabbing me. I I grab that and, and have at it. And I'm like, man, that's such a great idea. Um, I didn't do the same thing, but I do have a process. I have like two short boxes, one that's full of stuff I haven't read. And then the other short box is being filled with the books after I read them and to be filed later. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I got my process down and it's actually working. All right, man. So shall we, uh, shall we close this bad boy out? All right, man. Social media, where can they find you online? Hold on. Uh, Okay. Do that one more time. You are not ready. I was, I was, I was, you are not ready for this. I was queuing up shit. All right, man. Where can they find you online? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore Decibel, and that's me. And then there's Kadoja Kaiju, all one word for Kadoja. Are, are you going to change that to Keith Foster, or are you going to keep it as Keith Decibel? I'm going to keep it as Keith Decibel, mainly because um, I am not the only Keith Foster in the world. In fact, 
Have you ever done a search for your name? I have. And, it is, it uh, is the strangest fucking thing, right? Thank, thankfully, most of it, like, I don't get others. Scott Lost is so specific to me. Mm. However, someone has scottlost at gmail.com and it drives me insane. I'm like, why do you why do you have that? Like that there I'm the only Scott Lost out there. So yeah. but I will get, oh, Scott lost his pants uh, in a fire or something like that. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> so I'll get that. Yeah, yeah. If you do a Google search for Keith Foster, there seems to be a um a disturbing trend of people named Keith Foster doing time. <laughs> Which is oh, pretty shit. interesting. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the top 15 searches are about a couple of different Keith Fosters that have went to jail. And it's like, I am not that guy. Just FYI. Oh, oh man. But yeah, man. So no, I mean, I, number one, that wasn't the intent. And number two is um, it it was probably taken. You know, that's the mm. thing, too. How about Keith R. Foster? Because that's something else that they that I've read about branding is you want to try to keep your branding as consistent as possible through all platforms so yeah, that's, that's what point. pisses me off so much about scottlost at gmail.com but um i do have scottlost25 at gmail.com which is which is my sports number so but my twitter my instagram and my facebook if you want to find me it's just at scottlost yeah that's so, a good point i'm gonna see if i can do that right after we talk yeah so maybe keith r foster yeah yeah so yeah, so depending everything. on when this airs you can either find me at keith underscore decibel or keith r foster i don't know yet <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes yeah exactly exactly um oh yeah how about you man and i am at scott lost on twitter and instagram like i just said and facebook.com forward slash scott lost so you can find my reviews and kadoja and everything at keithrfoster.com including and a you- store the store is there too i moved the kadoja store over to keithrfoster.com slash store oh wow so you already got that thing rolling you gotta oh, roll boy, it out did already. i yeah man i told you that was my week kid did you put um I, I don't know how to do it one of my friends they were like oh yeah if you type in kadoja.com it will automatically uh send you to keithrfoster.com did you do that okay so first of all nobody ever type in kadoja.com because that site expired and some knucklehead turned it into an unseedy uh, ungainly thing so for god's in- sake unless you're you. into it i ain't judging Right, I ain't judging, but we uh, don't but keep yes, shame here. What what I did was I did some redirects, if that's what you're talking about. Yes, there is the word. Right now, if someone types in probingthedepths.com, it is going to go to keitharfoster.com invisibly. Right, you will type it, and then when you look at the uh, the status bar at the top of the screen, it's going to say keitharfoster.com. Are you sure probing the depths isn't something you could find at kadoja.com? <laughs> <laughs> I am making I am making no statements about the current owners of Kadoja.com. Um, I let scottloss.com expire so long ago. And then when I went back to try to get it, uh, a Korean car company bought it. So they were selling used cars <laughs> on scottlosscomics.com. It was super weird. I was like, this doesn't even make sense. What, that what's is, happening? That is better than Kadoja.com, trust me. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to buy a Korean vehicle, go to scottloss.com. Uh, but if you want to buy my comic books, go to accidentalaliens.com. And you can find The Second Shift in Wanders of Melisanda. Second Shift, The Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day, Superheroes at Night. Wanders of Melisanda, Humans versus Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs. It's more of a Avatar meets He-Man type of world. So if you're into either of those things, or if you're into them together, 
that's that's what you want to read, Wonders of Melisande. And if you have any questions about making comics, something we've talked about, something we haven't talked about yet, something we might have touched base on and then never went into, email us at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com and we will answer your questions on the air or on the podcast, whatever that is. So uh, once again, makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. All right, cool. Uh, till next week, man. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Making Comics, and we'll see you on the next one. All right, you ready to roll? Yeah. Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring... I'm going to do that again. My dog sneezed. I sound like I'm ready to bully you. Whoa, hey, like, hey, welcome hey. to Making Comics. Whoa, whoa, brother. Whoa, brother. Whoa, brother. It's, it's conversational. It's conversational. Welcome to Making Comics. Welcome to Making Comics. <laughs>